Welcome into episode number two of the Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing podcast. I am your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. And yes, I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. I am Five Foot Six, a Hundred and Fifty Pounds. If that isn't Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing, I don't know what is. But first, I want to thank everyone who listened to the first episode. I appreciate it, the feedback, the conversations I got on Twitter. You know, thank you guys so much. You know, I want to do a podcast, and now I'm doing it. So thank you all. And, uh, you know, for the new listeners, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me at 5FootNothingPod. Just search me there and, you know, send me a message, uh, tag me, however you want to get my attention. I'd love to hear from you. I also did set up an email. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. So you can also shoot me an email. If the character limit on Twitter doesn't work for you, feel free to shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys. So I want to get going, but I got to make my disclaimer first. Because if you listen to the first one, you know how much this applies. And I'm going to say it before every episode. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. All right, let's jump into this. So the main piece of this episode is going to be our 2021 schedule. I will go through that pretty in depth, uh, you know, game by game and things. But I did want to touch on some other stuff first. Uh, Recruiting, both positively and negatively. I do want to talk about something I saw about Ian Book on Twitter. I want to address that. And I also... I don't know if this will catch traction. We'll have to see how the season goes when we get there. But hashtag feels like 93 because some things that maybe could feel like 93. So uh, recruiting, first of all, let's start there. Positively, Tyson Ford. I know this uh, it happened uh, you know, about a week ago or maybe more. But oh, that was such a huge commitment. And he wasn't supposed to go to Notre Dame. I say supposed to, but he wasn't projected to go to Notre Dame. Then, by the grace of God, we landed Marcus Freeman, who is apparently a god on the recruiting trail. He comes in, and Tyson Ford admitted Marcus Freeman had a role in why he committed to Notre Dame. That is so huge. This guy's already coming in making those types of impacts. And we know what he can do from a coaching perspective on the field. Now he's doing the -the off-the-field stuff and getting these types of recruits. Man, that's exciting. So he gets Tyson Ford, and if you haven't had a chance to go look at Tyson Ford's highlights, I encourage you to do so. Um, the guy's a man amongst boys, and I know that's a cliche phrase, I get it, but he literally looks like a man amongst boys. And I know it'll be a little bit different when he come to D1 and play Notre Dame. It's not high school anymore, but man, I'm excited to watch that kid play. He looks really, really good. You know, so uh, Freeman comes in, gets Tyson Ford to commit to Notre Dame, that's awesome. Then uh, he also got uh, the attention of you know a, a top-rated linebacker. There was a an, another kid today, I believe it was a, a safety, a defensive back. You know, and all of a sudden, their Notre Dame's on their radar. And I just don't think it's coincidence that Marcus Freeman coming to Notre Dame, and within just a few weeks, we're seeing names pop up that are interested in Notre Dame that weren't previously interested in the way that they are now. So this guy is awesome. We're so glad to have him on our side. You know, and if if you don't love him, you're going to learn to be annoyed by it because I, along with others, are going to be talking about this guy. He's impressive. And, you know, ideally you'd like him to stick around as the DC until 2024 and then jump into – the spot currently occupied by Brian Kelly and be our head coach. That would be an amazing thing if what he's already started to do and what his track record says he can do leads to success in Notre Dame. Let's keep him around, right? So he's done a lot of good things from current, like high school kids coming into Notre Dame. How about guys that said they were going to leave? Houston Griffith put his name in the transfer portal. Marcus Freeman comes, talks to him. Takes his name out of the transfer portal. He's coming back to Notre Dame now. And that's fantastic. Because that was one of the big concerns 
was the safety position, well, defensive backs in general, but safety specifically. We didn't have a ton of experience. We have DJ Brown, who shared time with Houston Griffith as the backup. But everybody always thought Griffith was going to be the next guy. He was highly touted coming out of high school. And so far, it really hasn't shown itself. But it doesn't mean it can't. And I think he's got the skills to to do it. And him leaving was a huge surprise because I felt like he was going to be the starter. And, you know, I think Marcus Freeman talked to him about that. And and Griffith said it wasn't even about playing time so much. Like, he knew he was going to get playing time. So whatever the reasoning was that he wanted to enter the transfer portal, he has since redacted on that. And now he's back with Notre Dame football. And that's so awesome. I love to see it. I love what this dude's for what Marcus Freeman's doing already. It's it's incredible. So um, that's the positive side of recruiting. The negative side are these recruiting violations, <laughs> which they are a joke. I don't know if you've heard them, but the we're gonna lose an official visit, and there's a certain high school in Seattle, Washington, that we can no longer recruit. I don't know for how long. I think there's a certain amount of time we can't recruit that high school. Maybe it's forever. I don't know. But the the thing that I'm bringing up isn't what our uh, punishment was, which is not that much. It's what got us to be called out for a violation. It was, hold on to your seats, everybody. You ready for this? This is what we did. This was so wrong. This was the violation. Brian Kelly took a picture with a recruit in a cafeteria. Oh, the humanity. He took a picture. Oh, did he smile too? Oh, does that make it worse? Yeah, he took a picture with a recruit in a cafeteria, and apparently that's against the rules. And, oh, he also did send 10 texts during a time where you're not supposed to be contacting recruits. So, a couple texts, a picture... Oh my God, the the world is falling apart. Notre Dame is cheaters. Notre Dame doesn't d- do anything right. Look at, oh, holy then, holier than now, blah, blah, blah. Somehow, some way, people got this twist in their head and we're basically the same as McDonald's bags of cash now. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But, you know, that's the Twitter world. I, I like to think I associate with people who apply logic and reasoning to realize that this is a joke. This is hilarious that this is anything uh, meanwhile you get the Notre Dame haters out in full force so oh, we're cheaters we're this we're that <sighs> whatever but I had to talk about it because it was it made headlines that Notre Dame had recruiting violations yeah sorry we're not Tennessee but good try so but recruiting for the most part is going in the right direction and it will continue to go in the right direction because we are going to continue to win football games and I'm excited about that, right? I mean, one of the football games is is why we watch. So I'm excited about recruiting. And as more things happen with that, I'll definitely be talking about it. The next thing I saw on Twitter was some love for Ian Book, which love for Ian Book is fine. Guy was great. Most... Uh, highest winning quarterback in Notre Dame history in terms of number of wins. That's awesome. That's fantastic. But I saw a question posed to the Twitter world. Is Ian Book a top 10 player of all time at Notre Dame? Not top 10 quarterback, top 10 player of all time at Notre Dame. And the answer is no. No, he is not. And a lot of people agreed with me and that sentiment. But then there were two other types of people. And I don't know what caused them to think that Ian Book is a top 10 quarterback of all time. And say it with such commitment and confidence. And Yeah, absolutely. Because either... You're prisoner of the moment, which is like the size of a phone booth. 
because you can't look further back than 2018 or you're really young, like 16 years old or something, and you don't know Notre Dame's history. And if that's the case, you know, it's not your fault you're young. It happens, <laughs> obviously. You grow up. But I encourage you to go look at Notre Dame's history, and you will see why Ian Book is not a top 10 player of all time at Notre Dame. And if you're so locked into what he've done for me lately – I still encourage you to look at Notre Dame's history. Yeah, it's great. He did some good things for Notre Dame. He re- he did. But he's not top 10. Notre Dame's history is just too much. We are we're Notre Dame. There's very few schools if any that even come close to the history of successes and accolades Notre Dame has. I mean, you're talking top 10, right? So I'll make this real simple. Top 10 player, that's all 22 positions on the field. Top 10 player of all time at Notre Dame. Well, I can tell you he's not in the top seven because we have seven Heisman Trophy winners. And that means they were the best player in college football for an entire season for that year. Ian Book not once did that. He was not even a Heisman finalist. So he can't be there. So, okay, in your top 10, there's that leaves eight or, uh Three spots, 8, 9, and 10. Okay, well, I'll even stick to my lifetime, 84 to current. There's been two guys that have finished second in the Heisman. The Rocket, my favorite player of all time, and Manti Teo. They were runners up. Okay, well, that leaves one other spot because I don't think he's going to get ahead of seven Heisman finalists and two runners up. My 10th? I don't know. How about Joe Montana? And I'm not even talking about NFL Joe Montana. I'm talking about national championship winning quarterback at Notre Dame, Joe Montana. He's won a national championship. And there's other quarterbacks that have won national championships at Notre Dame. We have 11 of them that we claim, which is the way to do it. Uh, You do the ones that are AP, not just any random poll. But we have quarterbacks that have won national championships, like Tony Rice, And I I just mentioned Joe Montana. But then I, okay, let's go outside of, you know, uh, quarterbacks. Uh, Jerome Bettis, you know, Jalen Smith. You know, again, I'm thinking my lifetime. You know, Golden Tate, uh, Justin Tuck, Bryant Young. And, you know, you go back even further in Notre Dame's history, and there's just names upon names. Alan Pinkett, uh, just... So many names that he might be in the conversation for top 20, but he's not in the top 10. And if you're thinking that, you're you're not thinking logically. I hate to say that, but don't be a prisoner of the moment with that type of stuff. Ian Book was nice. He was good. He, he did a lot of things for us, but we didn't win anything of significance as a team or individually for me and book there's nothing that goes in a trophy case and a lot of the names i threw out there have things that belong in a trophy case so um i i just wanted to touch on that i i saw it i found it kind of funny that people actually thought he was a top 10 player of all time it, it's it's getting a little crazy Let, let's let's let that go for a minute you know he he did great he's moving on wish him the best but you know if if that if he's the the best we can hope for then i don't know i want to win things so and moving on to the the last topic before i jump in the schedule hashtag feels like 93 and I, I say that because some of you may not remember, but, you know, going into the 93 season, we just lost a, a lot of players, um, specifically our quarterback, Rick Meyer, who was really great at Notre Dame. And, you know, his concerns are what's going to happen in 93. Well, a guy by the name of Kevin McDougal came in, and 
led the team to what should have been a national championship season. You know, beat Florida State, and okay, we lost to Boston College. It sucks. It happened. But we still should have won a national championship. But the team overall was pretty young, right? Um, and you know, McDougal was a senior. He had been in the program, so that's a little bit different than Cone coming in. But, you know, let's get a little conversation going. Uh, team overall in 93 was pretty young. And, you know, maybe in 20 years we'll be looking back and thinking, oh, how awesome was this team? Because that 93 team had some names on it. You know, so I didn't want to uh, touch on that, you know, and I, I'd love to see it. It would be fantastic. But first, we got to play the season, right? So this is what I wanted to make this uh, episode mostly about is our schedule. And I'm going to jump into it. I'm going to go game by game. I'm going to you know talk about our opponents, some of the things they have. Uh, going for them, you know, I'm not going to focus too much on what we have. We have plenty of time to talk about, you know, I, we know we have Cone coming in. We've got some uh, new starters on the line. We've got wide receivers that all in all really haven't proved themselves but do have talent. So we we know what we've got. So let's find out what these other teams got. And I will make a projection on if we're going to win that game or not and see where we end up at the season's end. So let's get into it. Okay. Week one, right out of the box, we open up at Florida State. Okay. So we know Florida State last year was three and six. Okay. That's not great. That's not what Florida State is used to. That's not... That's not what they're accustomed to, right? Now, they did have some quarterback issues. They they played a few quarterbacks, but ultimately landed on Jordan Travis, who when they Notre Dame played Florida State last year, Jordan Travis got his first start, I believe, against us. He ended up ending the season as their leading passer and leading rusher. And I emphasize the leading rusher part because Florida State isn't typically a school where the quarterback is a do-all guy. You think Florida State would be a team that has a, a better supporting cast, where they're not some you know little school, you know, nothing against the MAC, but they're not a MAC school where the quarterback is doing everything and he's the leading passer and leading rusher and everything. You know, that's not typically what Florida State is. You know, so they got Jordan Travis. However. They have a transfer that just came in, Mackenzie Milton. And if you follow college football, you know that name because he was on the <laughs> he was on the 2017 National Championship winning University of Central Florida uh, Knights. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just laughing at the, the fact that they're national champions. But uh, so Milton played really well. He he was a great player. I'm not taking anything away from him. He he did what he was supposed to do. But he had a devastating leg injury. And nobody knows, because we haven't seen, how healthy he is, if, how he's back. What is he going to do? Where is his confidence at? All those things. Some intangible, some tangible. So we don't know. We don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. It... It might be Jordan Travis, just because he was the quarterback that finished out last year. It is game one, so maybe you stick with him. I don't know. But Florida State is also losing the only guy that did anything against us last year, Tamari and Terry, to the NFL. He went nine catches, 146 yards against us last year. He's not returning. He's going to the NFL, as he should. They're also losing uh, Sante Samuel Jr., their uh, stud cornerback. So they're, they're, I mean, those are just two names, but they're losing some guys. And here's my feeling on this game. They were 3-6 and six last year. It, it more or less a shit show. I mean, let's call it what it is. 
Florida State was not great. So I don't think game one they're going to have it all figured out. And they might not even know who their quarterback is. We might see both quarterbacks. We don't know. So if we were playing them later in the season, you know, maybe you could make an argument that they're going to have things more figured out, more cemented, and, you know, play a little bit better. But I don't think game one, even though it is for them at home and we have to go to Tallahassee and everything else, I don't see us losing that game. You know, so right out of the box, September 6th, which is a Sunday, by the way, before uh, Labor Day. Uh, September 6th at Florida State, I've got us down for a W. That's 1-0. and And that's the way you want to start your season, right? Come out, you're not, you're not at home, you're on the road, get a win, get it out of the way, and look forward to the next game. Which, game two, September 11th, you know, uh, I'm sure that'll be a a big day for, you know, veterans and in our country and things, you know, 9-11. But uh, our second game is against Toledo. Now, last year Toledo was 4-2. and two. Now, I know we love our Mac football, but I didn't write a lot of stuff down for Toledo. <laughs> Here's what I wrote. It's Toledo. Their nickname is the Rockets. Their colors are blue and yellow. That's all I got. And because I'm not, I, I want to go game by game, but I don't think Toledo is the place to spend a lot of time. We're going to get a W. We're 2 0. That brings us to Purdue on September 18th. Now, Purdue last year was 2 and 4. Now, 2 and 4 for Purdue sounds more like Perdon't. And that's my affectionate nickname for Purdue Perdon't. And their starting quarterback was Jack Plummer, who I found out is not related to Jake, which I was shocked. <laughs> I really thought that he was going to be related to Jake Plummer. And if you don't know who Jake Plummer is, look him up. He was Jake the Snake. He was crazy. But uh, so Jack Plummer is their quarterback. He did share duties last year, but I think now he's going to be the starting quarterback. It's going to be all Jack Plummer. And I don't know what that means because they were two and four. He wasn't that impressive. So, and it's still Purdue. I'm, I'm not too worried about Purdue. I've got us with a win there too. You know, so coming to the season, boom, we're three and oh. And I don't know what we're going to look like at that point, but three and oh is. As good as you can be, right? So here comes our first test, game four, September 25th. This is considered at Wisconsin, but it's in Chicago. And as we know, Chicago is like a, it's like a suburb of Notre Dame. You know, uh, a lot of Notre Dame fans reside in Chicago. So playing this game at Soldier Field and as a Wisconsin home game, which we were supposed to play at Lambeau as one of our home games that I think was going to be like a Shamrock Series game or something. But so that's what Wisconsin Notre Dame were supposed to do these last two seasons. But so we're going to do with this game in Chicago, which I think benefits us, even though it's considered a Wisconsin home game. Now, Wisconsin was 4-3 and three last year and somewhat misleading. And I only say that because Graham Mertz, a true freshman quarterback, came in, was really good. Then, uh, unfortunately, uh, COVID protocols cost him a few games. And uh, they ended up losing a, a few. But he's back. And he did look good. But the thing with Wisconsin is their style of football isn't run up the score, score 40, 50 points a game. That's not occasionally they do that. But that's not how they built their team, built their offense. They're smash-mouth football. They run it at you and keep running it at you and keep running it at you, and, and you have to stop it. So they play a lot of close games just because their offense eats up clock and is more methodical than, you know, fireworks. So I think this will end up being a close game, you know, but I think of, 
Wisconsin, they, they don't they never give up. High motor guys, high football IQ guys. They're they got good good players. They got good players. And it's not gonna be a, an easy game for us. However, we do have a quarterback that went there. He transferred from Wisconsin to Notre Dame, Jack Cohn. I think he's going to be highly motivated, and I do believe he'll still be our, he'll still be our quarterback at this point. As I mentioned in the last episode, I think Cohn is going to start at Florida State for sure, and um, I do believe he'll still be the quarterback. And I I I'd like him to be the quarterback in this game. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I don't think. Buckner will have surpassed him at this point, even in practice or otherwise. Um, McCone will be super motivated. Beat his old buddies. You know, like uh, Turkovic tried to do that this year at Boston College, trying to beat Notre Dame. And, you know, he still had friends with with the Irish program. But, um, you know, I'm sure he wanted to come out and beat us. You know, obviously, you want to win football games. But I think there's a special motivation to beat your friends. Like, I'd, I'd want to be my friends more than anything. You hang that over their head forever, you know? You're 40 years old, and shoot your buddy a text. Hey, remember that time when I, we beat you in Chicago? You know? That's that's something I think Cone will, will bring. While this game will probably be close, it might be a toss-up, I do like Notre Dame to win this game. I think we'll be 4-0. Now, we're 4-0... And we just played a tough game against Wisconsin, right? So right after that, we are back at home in South Bend, but we've got Cincinnati coming to town. Now, Cincinnati was 9-1 last year. And we know they, you know, should they have gotten in the playoffs, should they have dropped the way they did in the, the rankings and so on and so forth. I don't know. I think they were a little bit disrespected. But they just... Still an American Athletic Conference team. And you they don't have the same talent on their roster as Notre Dame does. But they do have a lot of guys coming back. Their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is coming back. Their leader in receptions, who we've heard of, Michael Young, is coming back. Their uh, tight end, who's really good, uh, led the team in receiving yards and touchdowns, is coming back. Their top two running backs are coming back, one of which was a true freshman who scored eight touchdowns, averaged 6.6 yards per carry, and route to 483 yards in the season as a true freshman. So they've got guys coming back, and that's the offensive side of the ball. And I'm focusing on the offensive side of the ball because I'm pretty sure we got the defensive side of the ball all locked away. We took their defensive coordinator. He's gone. And I think that put a huge star next to his name. I think Marcus Freeman does make a difference. No, he's not on the field. He's just a coach. But you can't tell me he doesn't know what Ritter and Young and Weil and Dokes and Ford can do and how to stop what they do. And their defense is new. They don't have their defensive coordinator anymore. We've got him. So between just not having the talent that Notre Dame has and the one thing that they have set up for potential success can be quickly stopped because we have their defensive coordinator. And you've got to believe Marcus Freeman's motivated to win that game, right? He didn't come to Notre Dame to lose to Cincinnati. He didn't come to lose to an American Athletic Conference team. Like, kind of like over my dead body, you're going to come and beat me. Cincinnati's probably motivated to go beat him because the same reason Marcus Freeman's motivated to beat Cincinnati. You're not about to embarrass me. And they want to embarrass him. So, well, I think it'll be... A tougher game than just the name, you know, oh, Cincinnati, whatever. I got a W on Notre Dame's side. We're going to win. Marcus Freeman's going to have a lot to do with that. And we're going we're gonna to shut him down, and we're going to win. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. 
you know, I'm not trying to talk like that, but I think we're going to win and we're going to be 5 and 0. And I mean, can't ask for a better start than that, right? 5 and 0. You've won every game. Then we get to game 6, October 9th at Virginia Tech. Last year Virginia Tech was 5 and 6. And now I don't know if this game is at night, but if it is, <laughs> buckle up, man. They're going to play Metallica and enter Sandman. It's going to be at night at Lane Stadium. Oh, no. You guys remember the last time that happened? Yeah, we, we won by like 20-something points. We blew them out. I'm not worried about enter Sandman and music and lights and Lane Stadium. It's whatever. Virginia Tech is not the old Virginia Tech. Uh, Justin Puente um, isn't doing what people thought he might do in Blacksburg. He's 38 and 26 as their coach. Um, he doesn't seem to have it together right now. Last year they rotated quarterbacks often, uh, one of which Hooker uh, has since entered the transfer portal. So they will have one quarterback. I think his name is Burmeister. That's that's just a a cool name to have. I wish I had that name, Burmeister. But I don't know what you can expect. If they had to rotate quarterbacks, that tells me that Burmeister wasn't good enough to be the starter by himself. So I don't know what to um, what you can expect from them. I'm not too concerned. That's a win, and we're six and zero. And then we run into our bye, which could not come at a more ideal time. A bye week on October 16th is is perfect. We played two tough games, Wisconsin-Cincinnati. Then we had to travel to Virginia Tech. Now we get a bye. Let's get things together and rest. And the best thing about the bye is we have two weeks to prepare for our toughest, biggest game of the season, USC. Game number seven. We got them at home. Now, USC was 5-1 and one last year, but I do want to say that they were a minute and 45 seconds away from starting 0-2. They played from behind and got last-second touchdowns in their first two games last season, one of which was against ultimately 0-5 Arizona. Now, I do want to give them a pass. Uh, I mean, right, F-U-S-C. I get it, but if I want to be taken seriously, I need to talk logically and, you know, reasonably about our opponents regardless of who they are. We hate them. I get it. F-U-S-C, I still hear their, when I hear their fight song, I think of O.J. Simpson. When I was in the stadium, it was uh, 94, 95. It was right after the O.J. uh, Nicole uh, Simpson thing happened. But um, there were a few guys in front of me and my dad, and USC's fight song is like, dun, 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 dun. And these guys, every time it played, slash, 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 and stab, slash, and stab, slash, slash. Yeah, it, it was hilarious. Love it. F-U-S-C. But for purposes of this podcast and going through our schedule, I have to take them seriously and not just say, F-U-S-C, we're going to win. So they were 5-1 last year. They struggled. But I, I give them a pass for this reason. COVID. They were all out of sorts. Um, they, it's just they weren't playing and they were playing. Now we've got to hurry and get our team. So much going on. You can kind of understand why it might not have been the perfect start to the season, why they were struggling with teams that were inferior to them. So they figured out they go 5-1. and one. Uh, But the thing is, they've got players. They always have players. We know this. And on the offensive side of the ball, they've got Caden Slovis coming back, who is now going to be a three-year starter. Marquis Stepp, who we know maybe all too well because he was a Notre Dame commit at one point. Um, he's from Indiana. Uh, Drake London, a six-foot-five receiver that led the team in receiving yards. And... That's that's challenging itself right there. But the one thing they have in our favor is Clay Helton, a Stuhler coach. 
Yes, as long as he wins just enough games. He seems to be very good at getting them to play down, which is amazing. Because, again, they've got players, they've got talent on their roster. It's the University of Southern California. It's the best team, namesake-wise, historically, everything, west of, what, Texas? I mean, like... There's no reason why they can't get dudes. And they do get those guys. Why they can't play together? I don't know. I don't care. Keep doing it. Don't be good, right? But here's the thing. Last year, their offense was kind of interesting. They do have marquee step, like I mentioned. But I was shocked at their offensive numbers. They are so one-dimensional. At least they were one-dimensional last year. Now, overall, they averaged 416 yards per game. That sounds great. They were the 44th um, best offense yardage-wise in the country. But here's the thing. Their rushing yards per game was 97. 97 yards per game rushing. That ranked 118th in the country. For perspective... Notre Dame averaged 211 yards per game and was the 23rd ranked rushing team in the country. So, if you're doing some math with me, they only averaged 97 yards rushing per game. Well, how the heck did they average 416 yards per game? That's because they threw for 319 per game, which was 12th best in the country. They can chuck the ball, or specifically Slovis can chuck the ball. And he's got guys who can catch the ball. And... I bring this up because our weakness is the secondary. It is. I mean, yeah, we've got Kyle Hamilton, but there's only one of him. And we're going to have a new safety next to him. We're going to have a new cornerback in place of Nick McLeod. Clarence Lewis, who more or less shared time but kind of earned the starting role towards the end of the season. But... Facts are facts. Our weakness is our secondary, and their strength is throwing the football. That's scary. Um, I know Clark Lee set us up to have a really good defense, and Marcus Freeman's going to come in and, and keep that truck going in the same direction. But why did we lose to Alabama? Why did we lose to Clemson? It wasn't because they were running all over us. It was because they were throwing all over us. And we couldn't keep up with our receivers. And I, I, don't, I don't like this matchup for us. Um, you know, some people have pointed out that, you know, we've got a lot of turnover with Notre Dame, and we do. But there's a, uh, the first six games, there's a lot of reasons why I believe we will win those games. Other teams are having turnovers as well. USC right now is not one of those teams. They've got their main pieces coming back. So, as much as I love to sit here and go, oh, we're going 12-0, you know, sign me up. I think we're taking our first loss, sadly, after a bye, after two weeks to prepare, to the University of Southern California. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I In these types of situations, I want to be wrong. But I just think there's too many things that USC is good at and is shown to be good at. And currently, we haven't proven to be good at. Now, games one through six, fast forward, and I'm talking about the preview of the USC game. Maybe it's a different story. Maybe we've figured it out. Maybe Houston Griffith has got it all worked out and... You know, these incoming uh, cornerbacks, uh, Philip Riley or Ryan Barnes and, you know, the Clarence Lewis is still there and uh, other guys on the roster. Uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Caleb, um, oh my goodness, number 21. Uh, Caleb Offord, there we go. Uh, maybe all these guys are going to step up and they're going to be great and I'm going to feel differently. But as it sits currently on January 26, 2021, in a preview setting, I think we're going to lose this game. I don't think we're going to get blown out, but I think we're going to lose. So, 
We just took a loss to USC. Now we got to regroup for North Carolina. We get North Carolina at home, and North Carolina last year was eight and four, and we know how their season went. We played them. They were high flying. They were this. They were that. And then they got no points in two quarters against Notre Dame. So, and I, I wrote this as a trap game. And simply because it's coming off of USC, um, and even let's say, even if we win the USC game, you know, regardless, win, lose, or whatever, I'm, I'm predicting and projecting a loss. But regardless, coming off that game is, it takes something out of you. You got to come right back, and you got to play North Carolina. But here's the thing, I'm really not too worried about North Carolina. For the fact that they are ranked where they are preseason is hilarious to me. I don't know how you can rank them number seven. And is that solely based on Sam Howell? I mean, it's got to be, right? Because here's the thing. Sam Howell is coming back. But you know who's not? Both of their stud running backs, Carter and Williams, who, side note, combined for a whopping 85 yards against Notre Dame. So I don't know what... Losing them is really that much of a detriment. They didn't do squat against us the first time around. But they're also losing their top two wide receivers, Brown and Newsom, to the NFL. All four of those guys are going pro. Now, Brown and Newsom combined for 10 catches, 148 yards against Notre Dame. And just for perspective on how big of a deal that was for Howell's numbers, Howell completed 17 passes for 211 yards. Brown and Newsom had 10 of those catches and 148 of that those yards. More than half of his production was to those two dudes, and they are not returning. So they're going to have to figure it out. Now, by game eight, maybe they do. Maybe they do have it figured out. But again, much like the USC thing, I'm talking about this in January, and we've got a lot of time. So, But the other thing is, you know, people have been, oh, North Carolina's recruiting well. Their recruiting is through the roof, blah, 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 Mac Brown recruiting, which is – True. Okay. In 2020, they had the 13th ranked recruiting class. In 2021, they had the number 14th ranked recruiting class. Those are the class of 20, which were freshmen this past season, which will be sophomores next year, and incoming freshmen in the 2021 class. And I'm looking, what I was trying to look at is who's going to replace Carter, Williams, Brown, Newsom, right? So in 2020, the this past class, which will now be sophomores, they had two four-star receivers, um, guys by the name of Downs and Rose. Now, Rose didn't catch a single pass this past season. Downs caught a total of seven, uh, one of which was against Notre Dame. So in 12 games, he caught seven balls. Obviously, he's playing behind Brown and Newsom, so you're not going to get a, a ton of attention. But now he might have to step up and be the guy. Okay. He hasn't, you know... The things that people are going to say about Notre Dame, and I'll admit is, you know, yeah, we can talk up Austin and Lindsey and Johnson and Watts and Colsey. They haven't proven anything. Fair. You are correct. But neither have any of these guys on North Carolina's roster. So for the assumption to be, well, Sam Howell's there, so automatically we're better. Well, hang on. You're going to knock Notre Dame for not having uh, proven – players at certain positions, well, okay. It applies to North Carolina, too. You can't just hate on Notre Dame only and focus on all the stuff Notre Dame has or doesn't have, completely neglecting the same flaws in another team. I'm not, I'm not here for that. That's a ridiculous way of looking at stuff. And I see it all the time from other people want to bash Notre Dame for this, that, and the other, and I'm like, so how does your mirror work? Because I see the same shit on your team. Migration. Okay, um, so the then you fast forward to the 2021 class, which incoming freshmen, and they've got one four-star receiver and two four-star athletes. Now, athletes can be a number of things. I feel like they end up being receivers mostly. So I'm calling it they got three four-star wide receivers and they got one four-star running back. But they're going to be true freshmen. Now, this feels a lot like Notre Dame. It really does, outside of the fact that they're bringing their quarterback back, who has proven to be pretty good and 
potentially uh, going to be a high draft pick in the NFL. But it feels like Notre Dame. They've got all this talent, all these accolades coming out of high school, all these star ratings. Well, they got to prove it. Notre Dame does too. I will own that. Notre Dame has to prove it. we got to go out and do it. Well, so does North Carolina. And for those reasons, I think we're going to win. And why? Because they had all the talent last year and we shut them the fuck down. They scored 17 points quick. We, we watched the game. They scored 17 quick. And then they did nothing. They didn't even have 100 yards of offense in the second half. And now you're telling me that they're going to reload with dudes who haven't proven a damn thing and they're going to come out and beat us? Sorry. I. If it happens, serve up the crow. Give me a nice knife. I'll cut it up and eat it. But you can't tell me today that a North Carolina team that, by the way, we played late in the season. We played them after Thanksgiving. It wasn't like it was game one they hadn't figured anything out. It was late in the season that had Four NFL caliber players at running back and receiver. And we held them to less than 100 yards in an entire half of football. That all of a sudden they're going to come back with unproven true sophomores and true freshmen and beat us. And we have Marcus Freeman. No. No. (laughs) You, You can't convince me today that that is going to happen. So put us down for a W. Bounce back. Boom. USC. We took the L. Let's bounce back and beat North Carolina. So now we're 7-1. and one. Feeling pretty good. And let's look at this uh, rest of our schedule. Um, I'm going to list them. I'm going to go back here. But the, the remaining schedule is Navy at Virginia, Georgia Tech at Stanford. Okay, so let's Navy. Game number 9, November 6th. Navy was 3-7 and seven last year. Man, Navy's not good. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know. I I respect the hell out of Navy. You know, uh, the, the whole rivalry, the tradition, everything that goes into the game. All right, but here, here's why this game extra sucks. They are not good. Last year, they averaged 177 rushing yards per game. That is not Navy football. If Navy wants to compete, they cannot be running for 170 yards a game. Notre Dame had 211 playing a traditional style of football with passing yards, too. Navy doesn't throw the ball. We know this. They threw for like 90 yards a game. So if they're only running for 177, oh, that's so bad. They're not good. But what does that mean? Now we got to go into a game against a triple option team where we're going to have to They keep you busy. They keep you working. No plays off. It's Navy. So we're going to have to have a healthy rotation of players. Cut blocks. Everything. Just. It's going to be a nuisance of a game. Because we're going to win. And it's not a game that should be hard. But it's going to be pesky. It's. It's going to be tedious. It's going to be annoying. You know. But. We got to play them. And I don't mind that we have to play them. I know the whole history. I don't mind it. I appreciate it. I respect it. It sounds crazy, but I wish Navy was just a little bit better so it wouldn't feel like, God, we got to do this? Man, I don't, I don't want to lose a guy. I don't want something stupid to happen. But is what it is. We're going to get the W, and we're going to move on to at UVA. At the University of Virginia, the Fighting Bronco Mendenhalls. Uh, last year, they went 5-5. Five and five. Now, they do have their quarterback returning, uh, a guy by the name of Armstrong. And here's the thing about him. He was their leading rusher, as well as obviously the leading passer, but he was their leading rusher with 552 yards. And I mentioned earlier, like in Florida State, um, UVA isn't quite Florida State, clearly. But, again, at a big-time program, your quarterback shouldn't be your do-all guy. You should have a balanced team where you have a solid running back. You've got other options, better supporting cast. The fact that he's doing it all tells me that they don't have the best supporting cast. And if 
they're one-dimensional and focus on the quarterback, uh, I'm not too concerned here. The other thing I noticed was they don't really have a run game. Their pass game is their run game. Their leading receiver was their running back who caught 67 passes. 67 passes in 10 games. Yeah, that's six, over six catches a game. How much does that equate to? 644 yards. Average of 9.6 yards per catch. But then it goes even further. Him included, two of the next three leading receivers average less than 11 yards per catch. They don't throw it deep. They're dink and dunk and dink and dunk. That is an extension of their running game. tells me that they don't have a strong running game. And if you're going to try to come against Notre Dame ever since um, Mike Elko showed up and then transitioned to Clark Lee and now Marcus Freeman, you're going to try to go one-dimensional against Notre Dame. Good luck. Good luck. You're not going to get very far. So there's another win. We're 9-1. and one. Nine and one going into our game November twentieth against Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech was three and seven last year. Um, they weren't that good. I mean, obviously three and seven is not very good. The only thing they have going for them is their quarterback and running back. They were their true freshmen last year. They were high recruits, four star guys, four star guys. Um, in fact, their running back was a high four-star, almost five-star. And he was the running back was their second-leading receiver. But the quarterback was their leading rusher. Again, kind of a do-all thing here. Jeff Sims, leading rusher. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was the running back, but Sims was still the leading rusher. And again, if, if you're going kind of one-dimensional on Notre Dame, it, it's not a recipe for success. It just isn't. I got us with a win. We're 10 and 1. And we conclude the season at Stanford. 12th game of the year on the farm, Palo Alto. Stanford was 4 and 2 last year, which actually is pretty good. Um, but they did have a seasoned quarterback. And now they don't. They have no established quarterback entering the 2021 season. They have no standouts. Their most recent re- recruiting class was ranked 54th in the country. They are trending recently in the wrong direction the last several years to the point where when people bash Notre Dame's schedule, I don't know that we can say, hey, we got Stanford on the schedule and it'd be a good thing. Um, it's, they're trending in the wrong direction. And the fact that it's the end of the year and the way Notre Dame's been playing football the last several years, this has become an important game. Not because it's against Stanford, but because it's ending the season and solidifies what our record will or won't be. And in this case, we're going into it 10-1. and one. We need that win. we got to get to 11-1. Because, as I mentioned, there's really only a couple games that feel like are going to be tough. I think our strength of the schedule is going to get dinged. So we go into Stanford, at Stanford... I just don't see anything that tells me that Stanford is going to beat us. Um, so I'm calling for a W. We're going to go 11-1. and one. That's my projection. So we got 11-1. and one. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. And be, well, before I tell you what it means, let me tell you what the possible records could be from what I've seen on Twitter and what, you know, just talking out this out could go, right? I think we can guarantee 10 and 2. I think we can absolutely guarantee 10 and 2. Um, you know, maybe we the North Carolina figures it out and they're because they're ranked 7th in the country. Oh my god, they're so amazing. Um, they figured out beat us, okay? Maybe Wisconsin uh, catches us. Maybe maybe Cincinnati catches us, but I don't think Freeman's going to let it happen. But, you know, so maybe uh, along with USC, maybe we lose two games. But I think we can guarantee 10 and 2. I obviously called for 11 and 1. That's my prediction. Can we go 12 and 0? Maybe. I don't see 12 and 0. And I know I said loss is going to be USC, but it could be somewhere else. I don't see 12 and 0, though. But I've seen people saying that we can go 9 and 3 or 8 and 4. And here's the thing about those two 
records. Nine and three, failure. Failure, retake your class, go back, study harder next time because you failed. That is a failure. We are in a different place. We are a different place than every team on our schedule, including the team I said we'd lose to, USC. They are still trying to get all their puzzle pieces to fit together. Notre Dame has to replace some guys. Yes, absolutely. But we have so many things that have built a foundation to build upon. This isn't a teardown rebuild. Not even close. This is just a continuation. It's not a full-on reload. It's not Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. I, I can admit that. I get it. But it's not a rebuild at all. This is... No. No, 9-3. That... That would be a failure. I would be disappointed. And I'd be concerned. And for the those that have said eight and four, we have major problems. Eight and four? I I can't even uh, fathom how we'd get to eight and four. Like I uh, eight eight and four better have resulted in every starter and every on both sides of the ball. Every starter, all twenty-two. I knock on some kind of wood here. I got a door here. Blew out every ligament in their knee and can no longer play football. And then we can go eight and four. I don't eight and four is is not even in my brain. Here's what eleven and one means for Notre Dame football. Eleven and one means we might get into the college football playoff. But I think there's some factors at play we have to think about. We got 11 wins based on my projections. And I think some of that has to do with our strength of schedule. I think that's going to hurt us. We don't have the strength of schedule that maybe an SEC team or, you know, potentially a Big Ten team uh, will have. So our strength of schedule is not going to be great. The other thing is how do we look in those 11 wins? How does Cone look? We have new guys, uh, new offensive line. There's a lot of things that we don't know yet. We don't know how it's going to look. Do we look like the 12-7 Louisville team? Do we look like uh, Vanderbilt when we played them and played them way too close or even Ball State? I, I don't know. And I'm saying all that to say the eye test is going to play a role. And as we sit here today... I can't say that our we're going to come out and look awesome and we're going to light up the world and you know if that changes yeah I'll adjust and you know say okay yeah we look we look the part we should be in the playoff but you know I I don't know and the other factor is I think we're going to share that one loss with uh teams you know they're out of the uh, ACC probably only Clemson there but like the Big 10 or uh, Big 12 or Pac-12, ACC, of course. You know, you have to think about that. And I think it's going to feel like 2012 or 2018 where you started off, you know, too many close games. Um, like 2012, had a lot of them. 2018, we started off that way. But it's too many close games, and that's going to work against us. And we don't want that, obviously. So we're going to share that one law. And if 11-1 keeps us out, it's going to be because of these points. Eye test and strength of schedule. It's not going to have anything to do with the 13th data point, okay? Ohio State proved that, first of all. They didn't even have seven data points, and they made the playoff, right? But you're going to hear, Well, 11 and 1, Notre Dame didn't get in. Oh, it's, what the hell? What do we have to do? You need a better schedule, and you got to look better. It's not hard um, if we're sharing that one loss. I, I can speak honestly and you know, unbiased about what I think our team is or isn't. Now, if we do look the part, and I do feel like we belong, then let's do it. Because here's the thing. We have belonged. Let me make that clear. The last two college football playoff spots, we earned those spots. We absolutely belong. We just happened to run into Clemson and Alabama. That is not our fault. I mean, maybe it is. We should recruit better. But... (laughs) Like, that's who we played. I I can't help you there. And they, they're one of the three teams that have more wins than Notre Dame over the last four years. Is what it is. But in the past, 
going all the way back to 2001 Fiesta Bowl, Oregon State, where we were just gift wrapped an appearance in some big bowl game. Why? To get our asses handed to us? Why? Because we're Notre Dame? And we didn't deserve those spots. 07 Sugar Bowl. Oh, hey, you're Notre Dame. You put eyeballs on my television and asses in my stadium and money and revenue? Sweet. You're going to go against this team that you don't even belong on the same field with, and they're going to roast your ass, and then we're going to talk shit about you. How does that sound? That's basically what it was. I mean, we didn't. We shouldn't have been there. We weren't that good. But it was freaking open invitation Invite whoever the hell you want. Well, shit, we're going to pick Notre Dame because they're going to put asses in our our seats and get us money. So, you know, but now fast forward, we are earning these opportunities. It's just unfortunate and really shitty that we run into the gold standard of college football right now. Any other team would have done the same. Oh, wait, they proved that because we lost by less points to Clemson than Alabama did. Like, we, were, we played Clemson closer, uh, numbers-wise. We played Alabama closer than Ohio State did. So, for, oh, you don't belong. You don't belong. Oh, really? Because the team that played the team we lost to after got beat worse than we did. So, oh, that's right. You hate Notre Dame, and facts are irrelevant. Logic and reasoning. Please come to the table with it. Don't check it at the door. Bring it with you. Put it in your back pocket. It could be useful. So, we earn these spots. Having said all that, I don't know what it's going to look like, and I feel like it's going to end up in a New Year's Six if we go 11-1. and one. But here's the thing about a New Year's Six game. I think it'll be a blessing in disguise. I think it'll be a good thing for our team. Why? So we can get the motherfucking monkey if we can't win a big game off our goddamn back. I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of that narrative. I just talked about it. Some of it is manufactured. And I don't mean that we didn't lose the game. We did. It's manufactured. Like, we shouldn't have been in the game. Like, we, didn't, we shouldn't have been there. We weren't the better team. We were going to get our ass kicked. So, but the last two years, okay, fine. You want to shit on me? Fine. Shit on Notre Dame because you're just shitting on every other 126 teams or whatever the hell behind us because they were not going to do any different than what Notre Dame did. So try again. Come back with a better answer. You failed your homework. Redo it. You know, so a New Year's Six game that we can win could be huge. Could be huge for our guys. Get that confidence. Hey, we did it. Hell yeah, man. We, we won a big game. That, a game that matters. A game that people care about. We did it. And my God, bring all of that excitement into 2022 because we open up at the Horseshoe against The Ohio State University, and there is a very, very good chance that they are coming off a national championship victory. They they could very well be hoisting that trophy, and then we got to play them game one. So we need all the positive vibes, and if that means we get a New Year's Six instead of a playoff game where we probably wouldn't win because I'm sorry, but if – the team that had Ian Book and five starters and all these returning guys and everything else wasn't fucking ready? How do you expect a team that has to replace all that be ready? The math doesn't add up. They can't add up because it doesn't make sense. So I feel like 11-1 New Year's 6 is a great situation. And if we can win whoever it is, I don't don't even care. It could be a freaking max school. I don't care. You know, it's a New Year's 6 game. It matters. Let's win it. Let's just win the damn bowl game. A big one that people care about. That has a fun little tag next to it. New Year's Six. You know, because the college football playoff tag, we're not quite there yet. We're going to get there. I know it. But we're not there yet. So, that's all I got. Um, I think we'll go 11-1. I think it'll be New Year's Six. And get that win. And move forward. But I do want to hear what you guys think of my thoughts. If you think I'm crazy, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Tell me about it. I played sports. I got critiqued constantly. I take that criticism and I do better the next time. So bring it, please. Um, You know, you can find me again, Twitter, at 
five foot nothing pod, or you can email me if you character limits in Twitter. I get it. Shoot me an email. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, and you can find me. I'm doing this through Anchor, which is great. It sends my podcast to a lot of different outlets. Right now, it's still going through the approval process to get on Apple Podcast. I know that's how I listen to most of my podcast. So if you're waiting for it to be on Apple, it's not going to be there just yet. I will make sure people know when it is because I know a lot of people listen to Apple Podcasts. But you can get it directly through Anchor, which is probably the link I will post, uh, or, or Spotify too. Anchor and Spotify are kind of one and the same now. But there's Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Breaker, Pod, Pocket Casts. Those are just some of the places you can find this podcast at five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. So, you know, search it wherever you listen to your podcast. Find me and give me some feedback. You know, like, share, rate, review, all that good stuff. I, Whatever you guys got to say, I, I want to hear it. Uh, I'm working at this and I ho- hope to get better, bring you guys some good information and... I look forward to the next episode. I will talk to you guys on Twitter. Five foot nothing. Out. <laughs>